Hello, I'm Pauline Jennings. Welcome to Musician Talk. My guest today is Taylor Wesley. Taylor is a recent graduate of St. Olaf College, where she studied piano and musicology. After graduation, she has immersed herself musically in the Northfield community, playing piano for the Unitarian Universalist Fellowship of Northfield, and as musical director for the soon-to-open-on-May-5th show, Mom the Musical with the Guild. Taylor is an out-of-the-box thinker and musician and thoughtfully forges her own path. It's time to get some details. It's time to talk with Taylor Westland. Hello, Taylor, and welcome to Musician Talk. Hi, I'm happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you on, and it's an opportune time to have you on because Mom the Musical, which you are a musical director of and in, is opening this Friday. So yes. thanks for taking the time out of this busy, busy time in your life to to sit down and talk with me. No problem at all. Uh, Tech Week is, you know, just right around the corner and we are gearing up to go and open. It should be a great show. So I'm not concerned at all to take a little time to come Okay, talk. good. Good, good, good. I'm excited to see it. And we'll talk more about that later, definitely. But first, let's just go in the Wayback Machine and think back to when you first started playing piano or when you first started getting interested in music what what are your first memories of music well i would say my first memory of music goes back to um my mom signed me up for kinder music when i was about three years old i don't know if kinder music programs are common up here but they were very popular um in norfolk nebraska which is where i was um born and had a majority of my childhood um so i learned the basics like reading notes singing solfege um playing the glockenspiel and the dulcimer made out of cardboard. So that really (laughs) um, brought me into the world of music from such a, a, almost a grassroots place that um, it wasn't institutionalized quite yet for me. It was just me playing and singing in um, a basement of a wonderful musician. Um, And so I actually asked for piano lessons for my eighth birthday. Oh, wow. Love that. I've always been a a music lover. My mom uh, really wanted us to be in the arts, I would say. So when she was pregnant with me, she played Mozart and Green Day. So I have a very like eclectic sense of music. And when I started piano lessons, I, I didn't necessarily know that classical music or musical theater would be the direction I would go. I just wanted to know how to do it. Right. And I, I guess that's the stone at the top of the mountain for me. Um, since then, it has just been slowly rolling downhill, um, but it doesn't feel as such. But right, I'm right. constantly bringing in new skills and uh, gaining new experiences as I go. Um, well, when I, after, you say roll downhill, it means you're rolling down into the beautiful valley of music, not downhill. Exactly. Bad, right? <laughs> yes, I know. The, it, interesting ways of phrasing it, but that's how I think about it. I've been in piano lessons um, since I was eight. I am 23 now. So uh, it's been a long time. This is actually my first full year not in piano lessons since I graduated college. So that's something new for me. But uh, I always sang in choir and I started doing shows uh, with my little church youth choir. I went to a little Catholic school in Norfolk um, and that was my introduction to the theater. And then 
yeah, I guess it's just always been intertwined for me. Like I've never been exclusively a musician or theater or um, in band or choir. I've just kind of done it all. Right, right. So I'm curious when you were eight and you asked for your lessons and you started getting it, getting them, was it what you expected? No, not at all. Um, I thought I knew how to read music fairly well just from kinder music. But right. uh, my first my first lesson was uh, to say the note names forwards and backwards in your sleep. I don't want you guessing whatsoever what goes in which order. Um, and that to me was like, oh, this is more of a puzzle than like a, I always equated music with like emotion and feeling like just the just feel it mindset. Right. But right. then I realized there's, there's so much more to it. Um, theory and the scales, the dreaded scales that everyone, you know, loves to right. learn. Right, um, right. It, it was unexpected, but I welcomed it. It didn't frighten me off. Good. Like um, my sister started piano lessons about the same time. Um, she's a couple years younger than me. And um, that was a little frightening for her. Sorry, Ryan. Um, <laughs> so, uh, that scared her off. But I, I always enjoyed that stuff. I, um, I, I really like the book work. And that's kind of what led me to um, exploring musicology in college. So and music theory, um, too, I just, I really took to I liked the, the nitty gritty details. So I have a question. Are you good at math? I, w I was on the math team in, yeah, yeah. Um, in junior high and high school. really go hand in hand, don't they? Yeah, they do. <laughs> if you like yeah. math, then theory, I don't think is as scary because it's all related as math it, is, right? Yeah, very, very much so. Um, I also really took to uh, writing and um, I was a big reader when I was a kid. And I think that also helps um, sure. yeah. to I guess, just be open to new things. And it it does take time and dedication to um, take the route of music that I fell into. Um, it's not always, uh, you can just, you can just do it. You know, there's a, there's a system at play that you have to kind of play into. And uh, I, I, I felt like I played the, the system really well. Um, and then college hit and I was like, Oh, let's, <laughs> let's take a step back. In what way? I was always a performer um, in high school. I did the like, you know, the big concerto feature that my my band did. Um, I was in all state. Um, I was in all state band as the only pianist. So wow. I was like, wow, I I really have a future performing. And so like I started Saint Olaf as piano performance, um, and then slowly realized that it is well beyond me and my capabilities. Um, and oh. that was very um, jarring for me as a musician, as someone who thought performing was where I was supposed to go right. um, when it comes to the instrument. So uh, I took, I took a hard year of re um, relearning my love for music and the instrument. And of course, everything, it happened around 2020 too. Yeah, so we were, course. we were sent home and it was, um, you know, also jarring in a lot of different ways, um, right. the way my music education went, I really had to take that time and figure out, will performing be for me if um, I can no longer fit the mold that I, I was expected to? Right. And, you know, and and it, maybe it's maybe it's just the mold, but also what came to mind when you were talking about that is that 
I think a lot of people that really shine and are great at, particularly if they're not from a really big, big high school, you're a big fish in a small pond and you get used to that feeling and that feedback and being the best. And then you go to college and you're just one among many. I mean, you're still great, but you're, but you're amongst a bunch of great people and, and sometimes that could be so disheartening. And, and I think that people just turn away from what they were going for because of that sometimes. And I love that you took the time to, to really, really think about if you want to do this and how you want to do it. When you came out the other end of that year of thinking about this, what were you thinking? Oh, there are so many things. Yeah. Um, really my, I tried to take it in little steps because I still wanted to graduate in the four years, even if it wasn't um, what I initially set out to do. Cause St. Olaf um, has the bachelor of music degree and that's where piano performance sits, but they also have a bachelor of arts in music. Um, and you can specialize in your instrument, which is what I ended up doing because it has just um, different requirements um, that were a little bit more, I guess, welcoming to me. Sure. Um, accessible, I guess, would be a word that yeah. I would like to use. And then it also gave me the time and space to begin exploring musicology a little bit more, more in depth, not just as a, like, oh, I like um, learning about the historical and cultural significance to music and how that informs my playing. I could actually take a step back from playing and really dig into that sort of nitty gritty bookwork that I um, really enjoyed from the beginning, I guess. So, and that was one of my questions is what exactly is musicology? And so it's learning the culture and the history of music. Yeah. So like the broadest definition I can give is um, it's just the academic study of music that is different from teaching music and performing music. Okay. So um, history, sociology, anthropology, um, the cultural significance of music to peoples and their identities. Um, that's what musicology is. So it's a huge category. And that's that's why like the broadest definition is what I feel comfortable giving sure. because it can mean so many different things to so many different people. Like the two professors at St. Olaf that I worked the closest with, um, Louis Epstein uh, did musicology and then Rihanna uh, Keshke did ethnomusicology. So Musicology in the world of St. Olaf right now is a lot of historical stuff. So things that happened in the past, but um, ethnomusicology can still also do that. But it's a lot of um, on the groundwork and ethnography, talking, interviews, learning people's music and what they mean to them and to the people around them. Wow, that sounds so interesting and exciting. I can understand why you'd be it'd be interesting area to go into. What do you do with that? What's your dream job, including musicology? Well, that's a, that's a really great question because I'm still figuring it out. Um, A lot of people use it as a stepping stone um, to music librarianship and um, research and handling archives and that kind of thing. It's a, it's a good starting place for that, but um, it requires way more schooling. So it was, it was just more of a way for me to, um, dive into this special interest that I have in music. Right now, I am really just enjoying making music in the community that I live in. Um, I've always been a community musician, um, community theater, recitals in the community. That's that's where um, I find myself 
right now and using my musicology as um, a way to inform my performing. Nice. I want to get on to the first song that we're going to play, and it's called Water Dance 3. And, oh boy, I love this piece. It It's very emotional, I feel. Was that a recital that you sent me? The one I sent you of Water Dance, that was from a student recital that I participated in. Um, but it was just my like final piece that I did at St. Olaf for a jury. Why did you choose this song to be juried? I spent the first part of my piano career at St. Olaf um, really deep in the what would be good for you as a performer in a college setting to play. So Beethoven Sonata, box suites, the classical canon right. of music and right. old white men. Like that's right. all I can really encapsulate it under. Not only um, is it music that's been done a million times and there's a right way to do it sometimes. I'm a woman and some of the ideas I, I couldn't necessarily connect to, I would say. And so Karen Tanaka's music, um, it's new and it's in um, a genre which I would describe as minimalist. There is, you know, running motions the entire time and with small changes that just change the color so greatly that you wouldn't even know that it's just a one note difference but you as a listener feel it feel it yes yeah and that's that's why I chose it is because um it was so far removed for me from this like musical vegetables what you should do as a performer nice. um that it it pushed me in other ways that's really, really cool. I love that story. I love that. Feel is the right word because I'm I'm not sure what tec- technically is going on with the notes that you're playing, but the whole thing just moved, totally moved me. So it's beautiful and I'm excited to share it with my audience. Did you have any s- specific joys with learning the song or playing it and or uh, challenges when you're learning the piece? I would say the first challenge that comes to mind is... Um... <laughs> knowing what to bring out because there is so much happening at the time, just because um, the overall figure is this big flourish from top to bottom yes, register. Yes. Um, that doesn't mean that's, that's the part we want to hear. And so I um, spent a lot of time with um, deciding what was important. The way she structures her pieces, it's pretty easy to um, figure out where the important notes are. She notates it really well. like So it's clear what is supposed to be brought out, but um, how to do it, right. that was another discussion um, that we spent a lot of time on and attacks, approaches, um, what, exa- what story I was trying to tell. Like, is it playful? Is it emotive and moody? The piece, as we will hear, um, starts in this light place, but the middle section, it just kind of brings you down to earth and into the the absolute baseboard of the keyboard. All of those emotions, it's, it's so hard to um, decide what I wanted to as a performer bring to my audience because there aren't very many recordings of this piece done. Um, I would say the only one that I found, the touch and the approach was just different than what I felt. Wow, as yeah, I came yeah. to the keyboard. So it's kind of nice that there's not a lot of recordings out there to influence yes. in, in ways that you don't even know you're being influenced, right? When you hear exactly. Something. And that's why new music is so important to um, young musicians. Because yes, I I wish I could play Beethoven better, but so many people have done Beethoven and people that 
others consider the best Beethoven's ever been done. But I don't feel like I have anything to add to the conversation. Performing new music often does that. It gives the performer more of a voice because it hasn't been done enough. You can make the decisions as opposed to them already have been made for you. Yes. Yes, exactly. So what was your decision for this song? What did you come to? How did you want the audience to hear it? Well, I didn't want the playful splashes of water, which is what I called them, to be anything more. I, I didn't want that to overwhelm the piece, no matter how beautiful the sonorities were. I prioritized um, the color of the chords rather than the content of the notes, if that makes sense. I don't know. I mean, it's it, it's it's an interesting thing when you, when you talk about something that's kind of more ph- philosophical, putting that onto what you're actually putting into your fingers to play. Yeah. No, I can't imagine so right. fingers moving up and down, you know, in, in this <laughs> in this way that picking out notes to, to emphasize, that's got to take a lot yeah. of practice. It does. Yeah. Yes. So much practice. Uh, this was, um, I think I worked on this piece for over over a semester. I I will say that once I had the notes in my hands, I could finally relax. There's the tendency with all of the notes to tense up and um, feel that tension in your hands and your arms. And um, performing this piece, I was finally, finally comfortable enough to let go and let my body move again, which had stopped significantly when I was um, in my first couple years of college. I was... I was told I, I moved too much, um, that it was distracting. And so I put myself in that box and I was like, I will put my shoulders back and stand tall or sit tall, I guess. Um, but then once I started to explore Karen Tanaka's music, it requires the motion. When I sing and when I approach um, music of any kind, really, uh, it requires some sort of energy and that's how I um, create it in my body and I like to think that it translates into whatever I put out there, whether it is piano music now or singing like I do in the show. I yeah. think, well, I think it definitely translates in this uh, Water Dance 3. And I think it's time to take a listen to Karen Tanaka's piece called Water Dance 3, performed by my guest today, Taylor Westland. Here it is. Thank you. 
This is Pauline Jennings, and you're listening to Musician Talk. You just heard my guest today, Taylor Westland, perform Karen Tanaka's composition called Water Dance 3. Here's some of the things that I have written down. Emotional, which I already said. It's a little mysterious somehow to me. It certainly sounds like there's at least two players playing. <laughs> Thank you. Got, your hands are moving, boy. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. Um, and it's so dynamic, so dynamic. And I think that is probably one of the reasons why it's so emotional because you play it with such wonderful dynamics. So thank you for sharing that with us. Beautiful. Thank you. It really I, is beautiful. Thank you. I'm <laughs> speechless. Welcome. Honestly, I, everything you said is what I had hoped people would take away from it. And oh, so good. I, I feel like I did my job as a you performer. Did. Like I, yeah, I can shed a tear. That's so great thank you huzzah huzzah kudos all right so um current and future we talked a little bit about future and that you're 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 in a place which is totally understandable at your age just finishing college and trying to trying to figure out what you want to do and what what job you want to go for and all that and I understand you probably haven't settled on one but I gotta believe that there's been some thoughts going through your head on what you would what you would some dreams of what you would want to do and so why don't you share some of those with us? Oh, what a great question. Um, so right now I, oh, I have really been thinking about creating my own piano studio, um, stepping into the role of teacher. I've just had so like a wide array of teachers um, in my, in my short music career compared to some people that um, I just, I feel it's so important to be intentional and thoughtful when bringing in new musicians. And I just, I've been thinking a lot about what my studio would look like and um, the priorities I would have when teaching students, um, such as not, not everybody wants to go the path that I went. Sure. They don't want to do the big sonatas or the, the concertos and such. And I learned, I don't either, you know, right. um, tailoring an, an experience to a student. Yes. Um, I love that based on more what they would like to do rather than what I think they should do. I think that's so smart. It makes so much sense to tailor it to the students and what they want. Yeah. Thank you. I, all of the stuff that I learned that's um, considered, I guess, popular, in, in genre, um, I, I had to do on my own. Um, I had to go out and find my own resources. And, and I, I learned all of the chords on the piano before I knew the theory behind them and how they all work together in that right. way. Um, so they were in my hands. And that's when I started to play and sing. Um, yes. And I, I would do things for my family. I was definitely the the performer kid, right? I allowed myself to have like almost two identities when it comes to music, the things I would do for my lessons, you know, the theory, the scales. I, I use the phrase musical vegetables a lot because that's just how it became the good stuff for me. Right. Right. Though so I don't think that's mutually, mutually exclusive to what's going on in pop music and how that works. And the idea of playing and singing at the same time, that to me became my escape from the musical right. vegetables, right. the stuff that my teachers told me that I needed to know because that's what was good for me. Now that I'm removed from the institution, right, right. Um, and I'm making music in the community, uh, 
I've never felt them closer together than this moment. Oh, that's great. I'm lucky enough that I I have a partner who is able to um, support both of us uh, while I'm in this exploratory stage of my life. Um, Special shout out to Casey, because I would not be able to be here even speaking to you without him. Like he is my, he is my rock in all of this crazy musician world. (laughs) Oh, it helps to have somebody like that, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Somebody behind you all the way. So um, let's move to talking about Mom, the musical. How did you get involved with that? Oh, my gosh. Well, that is quite the story. Um, So I uh, this is my first season uh, at the Guild. Um, I had taken some time away from theater because uh, in college, music and theater just don't go well together. Different schedules, different classes. Um, Anyway, so I but I always did community theater when I was when I was little um, and in high school and even like, you know, summer theater, the summers I did go back to South Dakota. um, I would I was always in a show. I was always doing something. So um, when I graduated college, I said I really wanted to get back into the the community theater thing. And I had just done um, playing in Ibsen's dollhouse. I saw it. You were wonderful. Yes, yes. Oh, thanks. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> it was um, really really cool it was really a neat production yeah yeah that that one just scratched um scratched an itch in my brain when it comes to theater the way we workshop that and so once the show ended with um dollhouse uh they were still looking for a musical director for mom and auditions were coming up i think just the week after we closed um and i i had talked to mark and cindy about um the possibility of me doing it because I like I played piano for Dollhouse. Um, I helped teach the songs, uh, and I I had musical directed before in South Dakota, um, but it had been a while, so I of course was hesitant. And they really reassured me that this would be a great starting point. Yes, for um, working at the Guild um, in the future, well, and uh, and musical directing because it's not a huge cast. With, no, it's you know, not. huge numbers, right? So yeah, okay, keep going. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, you're totally you're totally right. That was actually a big big selling point for me is um being being my age. Um uh, the last time I musical directed, uh I had a lot of issues with um seniority and huh. um I guess being in a position of authority. And so I figured this would be such a great show to jump back into it without the possibility of so much opposition. Yeah. Um, when it comes to and all women too, myself. that helps. Yes. Oh yeah. my gosh, does it help so much? And yeah, yeah. wow, I have never been as lucky as I have been um, in community theater to work with such an outstanding group of women. Um, well, I am the I am the only one who uh, isn't a mom in the show, yeah. uh, and the way that talking, just chatting with these women about their own experiences. Wow. Motherhood is something, a a strength that I did not know. My definition of of mother um, has just widened so Mm -hmm. much. I mean, I got to make some creative decisions, but I really feel like, and being in the show helps, but I'm working with them, not directing them, if that makes sense. Yep. Yes. I, I can't wait to see it. I'm really, I know nothing about this music. I've heard musical and I've no, I've never heard any of the music. What kind of music is it? Is it all, all over the board or is it all kind of one genre or what's the music? You like? know, 
<clears throat> Great question. There is no cast album. Um, it is it is a very new show. Um, I actually had to reach out to the composer directly to see if they had any demo recordings, just because I knew we had such a, a short period um, to actually learn the show. Um, and she sent something out, so that that helped immensely. Nice. Um, the style, it is um, made for just piano and voice. Um, there is anything from like blues and rock to um, your classical music theater, Wells Fargo wagon type of music. Nice. <laughs> and um, some of the most beautiful ballads I, I've ever heard. Definitely don't go in with just like one expectation of what it's going to sound like. The storytelling is consistent. It is so beyond surface level music theater. It is internal monologues put, no. set to music. I could talk uh, hours with you about this stuff, but we do need to move on to um, the quote before we get to your next song. And here it is. This is uh, Leopold Godowski, who is a <clears throat> Lithuanian-born American virtuoso pianist, composer, and teacher. The piano as a medium for expression is a whole world by itself. No other instrument can fill or replace its own say in the world of emotion, sentiment, poetry, imagery, and fancy. What do you think when you first hear that? What what comes to mind? The first thing that comes to mind is I agree. It's very similar to the way that I view the instrument. Sometimes playing the piano can be isolating. Like I feel like when you play like trumpet or guitar, even it's it's based on the ensemble experience. And a lot of the piano music that I've experienced is you create a world by yourself. And that's yeah. why there are so many keys and so many possibilities. Right. Um, when it comes to color and texture, um, the percussive nature of it uh, is the first thing that I think of because everyone gravitates towards, you know, the lyrical, the ethereal um, music that piano can create. But there's really a lot of cool um, percussive stuff that's happening because yeah. that's what the instrument can do. There really isn't another instrument like it that can do is so versatile and it is a percussive and a melodic instrument both at the same time i can't think of any other instrument that that does that and so can tell so many stories and it can be anything you want it to be it seems more so than any other instrument not to you know put piano on the pedestal that it exactly. already is when it comes to um, performing it there is something about it that allows not only the listener but the performer to create just a, mu a musical world around themselves. Yeah. There's just something poetic about it. The, the, the capabilities of storytelling it's yeah. It's unlike any other instrument that I've, I've played. Like you said, not to say that there aren't, that you can't get all that stuff from other instruments. I mean, I think of, I was just thinking of a violin player that I know. And when I talk about poetry and emotion, absolutely. And, and, filling a whole world with music with just that one instrument, but there still is something different about no, there, there about totally the is. piano. Yeah. Let's introduce your second piece. It's called Chimes of Dawn and, and it's from, uh, correct me if I say this wrong, Otto no Nagar. Yeah. I say um, Otto no Nagare. So tell me a little bit about this piece, the bigger piece that it comes from and why you chose to play this and learn this song. This was like my introduction to the possibilities of minimalist music. To be honest, I <laughs> I found this music on public domain. 
I, um, there was a special recital that I was preparing for, um, celebrating, uh, composers uh, from Asia or composers of Asian descent, um, a very underrepresented um, category when it comes to the college music world. Um, so I was very excited to explore that. It's a suite of 10 pieces, and I learned four of them. They're only named by their title or by their tempos, except this one is called Ooh. The Chimes of Dawn. So um, the fact that this one was named um, was very intriguing to me. Yeah. Why do you think when you think about the title and the content of the piece, the repeated note and the, um, the way the melody, uh, works with the repeated notes and the way it clashes with it. Um, there's something persistent and bell-like that comes to mind. And I think the part, uh, the chimes of dawn is very, um, fitting there's something almost like a sunrise in the piece of a first breath of a new day that um, here I am getting all poetic and philosophical. No, no, that's again. great. That's great. But yeah, that's, that's what brought me to this piece. Uh, and I really enjoyed it in the program that I selected. I really liked how it, uh, the least happens in it compared to the others that I played. It's but so that was spare. Yes. And, and um, Western listeners, I think are uncomfortable with that. Yes. Yeah. Very much I, so. I mean, I am, I, I'm like, it, it caused some tension for me listening to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you get some really nice releases with that tension. I mean, it's not a long piece. And by three quarters of the way in, I, I had settled into it so that when you're getting the longer spaces at the end, just, it was so anticipatory of what's going to happen next. And yeah. that's a, that's really yeah. cool. That's really cool. And that takes to the, uh, that takes you back to the beginning of the day. What's going to happen today and also getting ready and taking your time. And you haven't gotten into the busy part of the day. And yet that note that continues, and I don't know how you do that and play everything else and keep that going, <laughs> but I'm not going to uh, spoil the surprise of the song by saying anything more. We'll talk more on the other side of uh, Chimes of Dawn played by my guest today, Taylor Westland.
You're listening to Musician Talk, and I'm your host, Pauline Jennings. You just heard Chimes of Dawn, played by my guest today, Taylor Westland. Chimes of Dawn is a composition by Kosaku Yamada. Yeah, the biggest thing I have down here is anticipation, anticipation, tension, sparse. And why does that note stop? When it does stop for a measure or two or a couple beats, why? That kept coming up in my mind. What's the choice? Why? No, it's a great question. Oh, I don't know if it's one I have an answer to, to be honest. Um, Maybe it's not meant to be answered. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I honestly, when I when I think of the piece and the reason I I picked it to be shared today is it was the first time I felt absolute control over mm. my instrument. There's always a, some sort of like negotiation for me of like, okay, if I get this part, then it's okay if I don't get this part, right? Interesting. Um, I've never had so many conversations about a single note. And those conversations opened my eyes to how important a single note can be yeah. in a piece of music. I was like, oh yeah, I got this. No problem. Like, so uh, then I was like, so I'll just have to focus on my left hand. No problem. Right. I can easy, easy piece. Far from it. Um, The, the number of practice sessions that I had where I was just working on my attack and approach and feeling that I, I wanted from that one note uh, blew me away. I had no idea it would take so much time and focus and energy the biggest thing I also remember from this piece is that sense of relief at the end. I go in feeling like, okay, I've I've practiced this so much, but I am still exhausted at the end. And I know the audience has a similar feeling. So it's, it's like a collective sigh. Wow. And I just think it's That's stunning cool. that music can create that experience, that yeah. truly all-inclusive experience. Absolutely. A collective sigh. Yeah. Everybody in the room. That's beautiful. All right. So we are at the point uh, of the show for best gig, worst gig. What do you got for me? <laughs> oh, well, um, as you talked about, I'm not really a gigging musician, but I would say um, my worst performance would be uh, I had a lot of memory issues in college and I can like, I can laugh about it now because Good. The idea of memorizing music for a performance is is laughable to me now because once I stepped away from the performing degree, like I no longer had to memorize music. Um, so I've had <laughs> some pretty, pretty um catastrophic memory slips um at the at the beginnings of my um my four piece recital, like piece one or two, something, and then I didn't realize how much they relied on each other in my brain that I would, I would just spiral. And it, yeah, it was oh, horrible. Like the um, hair on your, every hair on your body is yes. standing on end. Oh yeah. It was um, lots of tears. Uh, but now I can laugh about it because like, I, I don't have to memorize stuff like that anymore. And Good. I'm, I'm making money as a musician and it just it goes to show that it's, it's such a small thing. Right. Right. Um, right. Right. So yeah, and it was just pretty... one. It was just a, a handful of minutes and and one day of your life, and it just it's it's right. Doesn't matter. Doesn't yeah matter, feels right? so trivial now. Um, yeah. but it, it was not at the time. I was oh, I, I, I get absolutely that. heartbroken. <laughs> um, 
but my best gig, uh, I would say, it was pretty recently. It was over um, Christmas season. Um, my hometown, Yankton, South Dakota, there's a little church there called Trinity Lutheran. And that's where my um, piano teacher from high school, uh, he and his wife are like the resident musicians there, I would say. And uh, they invited me back to their um, their annual thing called box lunch spelled b-a-c-k or c-h sorry like right. the musician so it's a cute little play on words and nice. it, it's just musicians come in and play a little recital and then the church uh, feeds you lunch it's super cute I love it and I got to play um, a piece that I had performed or I had attempted to perform in a very similar memory slip situation. <laughs> and I, um, I, I felt like I did a great job. I okay. rocked it. And um, it was just a great full circle moment for me to have a piece that I felt like I failed. And I was like, I'm never going to touch this again. This is stupid. This is not for me. And then to come back to it after two years and feel that sense of release that, um, and conquering victory. Yes, yes. Conquering. That is such a good word. Conquered I it. conquered it. And yeah. um, that'll go pretty high up there in the books for me. Nice. Nice. I'm glad that you had that experience and you could come, come around back to victory. <laughs> That's good. Um, in closing, I just want to mention again, uh, Mom, the musical at Northfield Arts Guild Theater and it, it's, it opens Friday, May 5th, and runs through the 21st. So you have plenty of times to see it. But if you blink, it'll be gone. So put it on your calendar now or just go ahead and and, and call the Guild and get tickets or go online, um, www.northfieldartsguild.org for tickets. It's really easy to do that. What's your next project after Mom the Musical? Are not, your headspace isn't even there yet. Oh, yeah, it's so hard to think about what's next, but I, I will be participating in the, the Paradise Center for the Arts. They have a 35th anniversary concert. I don't know if I'll be playing piano for that, but I will definitely be on stage singing. So that's kind of the next music gig. After that, who knows? <laughs> that's great, Taylor. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. And I am very, very excited to see you on stage uh, for Mom the Musical. I just hope that everything just continues to go swimmingly for you and, and you f find your path and that you fulfill your dreams. It seems like you have a world of opportunity and excitement ahead of you. So. Thank you so much. I, I am forever grateful for this experience. This is great. Oh, good. Good, good, good. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. many thanks to Taylor for taking the time to meet with me and for sharing her insights and music with us today. Thanks always to Wendy Nordquist and to you, dear listener, for tuning into Musician Talk on the One, K-Y-M-N. Have a joyful day. <laughs> <laughs>